By the time we get to Noah, the implication seems to be there are quite a few people around. And by the time we get to the end of chapter four, we've got things like agriculture and metalworking and music in cities happening. Uh, it's a very fair question to think about how many people were there and where'd they all come from? We'll talk about it today on Beyond the Notes. All right, we uh, got to the end of Genesis chapter 4 on our last Lord's Day, and uh, we begin to pivot into this, this genealogical chapter, chapter 5. We'll be dealing with that uh, next Sunday. But for, for now, we see in this paragraph at the end of chapter 4 the, the descendants of, of Cain and the descendants of Seth, and, and they seem to be, well, they're, they're up to a lot. And um, implications like the, the building of a city. And then, and then by the time we get down to the time of Adam, I mean, pardon me, Noah, the implication seems to be there, there are actually quite a few people. And so that raises a couple of questions. Uh, where did these people come from is, is one of the first questions that we, we, we kind of could address. They came from Adam and Eve. Uh, Adam and Eve were the only two human beings created ex nihilo, which is Latin for from nothing. They were the original human beings that God created, Adam from the dust and, and Eve from the, from the rib of Adam. And all other human beings are the result of human beings like animals reproducing after their kind. Now, it doesn't mean that human beings can be classed in with animals. We are the image bearers of the living God. But the issue of, of biological creation after their kind, human beings are all descended from Adam and Eve. There are some who have theorized that some subhuman primate was out there somewhere that got bred in with humanity. But that's a ridiculous idea to be found nowhere in scripture. There are some who hold that there were other human settlements around that Adam and Eve's family interacted with, but that doesn't make any sense either, given what the scripture teaches of the unique created characteristics of, of Adam and Eve, the fact that the fall, any, any human beings that aren't descended from Adam and Eve aren't impacted by the fall, and that doesn't make any sense biblically. So where'd they come from? They came as descendants of Adam and Eve, just like you and me. Um, where these guys get their wives is another question. And, and I, I want you to, to uh, there's only one answer. Early on, they married their sisters. As time went by and things like cousins and all that were available, they, they married cousins. There are prohibitions in the law of Moses, which comes centuries later, regarding that kind of intermarriage. And there's a reason for that. From the time of the fall, mankind's genetic composition begins to decay. As all creation, according to Romans 8, groans, uh, we are literally not the men we used to be and not the women we used to be. Mutations, which are always harmful, counter to the hopeful dreams of the evolutionist. Harmful mutations creep in. The genetic code has nicks and dings and damage in it. And the people you're most closely related to are most likely to share an overlapping DNA characteristic that would show up in a bad way in a child. 
you and I have any number of, of genetic mutations, but if we marry somebody whose, whose genetic makeup is quite distant and different from ours, odds are, are that the, the recessive genes we carry will be dominated out by the genes of our spouse, and so our offspring won't be affected by an overlap of genetic flaw. Now, that's overly simplified, but it's not untrue. And so by the time of the Mosaic Law, God has to forbid close marriage for the benefit and protection of mankind as we are uh, uh, more and more damaged in our DNA. Early on, this is not a prohibition of God. And if you, if you accept the unique createdness of Adam and Eve and that all human beings are descended from Adam and Eve, it honestly is the only alternative you've got. So where we come from, where these guys get their wives. And then the, the question I most want to address today is how many, how many people were there? Well, I, 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 need, I need to share some assumptions and then I'm going to share some math that derives from these assumptions. If the assumptions are right, the math holds. You can, you can question the, uh, the assumptions. I have three assumptions that I want to share. And I warned uh, those that were at church last Sunday, I warned there would be math. So there was going to be a little bit of math here. First, let's assume that every cycle of children that is born includes at least three girls and three boys. We know that Adam and Eve had at least three sons because we have the names, Cain, Abel, and Seth. We, we also know that Abel died, but we also know that Adam and Eve begat additional sons and daughters. So if we take the, the terminology, especially through chapter five, that they begat sons and daughters, begat sons and daughters, it's a repeating um, refrain through chapter five. I think every, every uh, childbearing cycle, let's assume it included three sons and three daughters. I think, honestly, that's a bit conservative, but I think it, it, uh, it will uh, include and make up for some will have died young. Some will have perhaps not married and had children. We have to assume something. Let's assume that, that each childbearing cycle, uh, each period of having kids, produced three kids and three, uh, three, three kids, three sons, three daughters, six kids all together. Um, that would mean, well, we'll talk about more what it means in a moment. Let's assume also that each childbearing cycle, that, that there were these six kids were being produced every 90 years throughout the lifespan of their parents. Uh, again, we're begatting multiple sons and daughters. And so we assume six kids being born to every childbearing couple every 90 years on average. I think that accords well with the, with the ages of first children born and the long lifespans of chapter five. Now, that's not in the text, a 90-year interval, but one has to assume something if one is going to derive a mathematical model. So, so far we have a, uh, a three, three boys and three girls being born on average every 90 years to every couple that's having children. And I think if you read chapter five, you'd find that's not, that's not out of sync with the text. Further, let's assume just one generation of overlap. That is that at any given moment where we drop the pin, there are two generations living at the same time. That two, two of these 90-year cycles of people are alive at the same time. I don't want to use the word generation as much as the word iteration because the generations is used in a very special way in the book of Genesis. 
so that two layers of humanity are alive at the same time in these 90-year layers. That also seems extremely conservative. Wow. If all of those things hold, then the formula for the number of people in each layer, every 90-year cycle, is actually 2 times 3 to the n. 2 times 3 raised to the power of n. Not 2 times 3, not 6 raised to the power of n, but 2 times 3 to the nth. For example, in the, in, the, in the first generation down from Adam and Eve, that would be 6. 2 times 3 to the first. That would be, we know the names of at least the first three guys, Cain, Abel, and Seth, and we would assume they had at least three sisters. We also assume that, that as, Cain, as Cain dies and Seth is born, perhaps additional, at least one additional son is born. At any rate, that first generation off Adam and Eve, we assume it to be six people, two times three to the first. Well, if those six people produced three couples that had six people each, then in the second generation, there are 18 people, two times three squared. Two times three to the second. That's the formula. Two times three to the N, where N is the number of 90-year periods that have passed since the beginning. Well, and this is where it gets interesting. Perhaps we'll talk about this on a future episode, but you could sit down with Genesis 5 and do this math yourself. Genesis 5 maps out a 1,656-year period between creation and the flood. 1,656 years. And if a new cycle of six children is being born to every childbearing couple every 90 years, that means that we are in the 18th such cycle at 1,656 years. And because we assume that two cycles live at the same time, the 17th cycle is generally still alive, and the 18th cycle has been born. So the formula for the population at the time of the flood, given these assumptions, there's a lot of math, would be 2 times 3 to the 17th, for the 17th generation, alive, plus 2 times 3 to the 18th, for the 18th generation, alive. Uh, you can do that math as well as I can. But let me tell you what that ends up with. It ends up with a population of 1.03 billion and change. Which means it's altogether consistent with Scripture. With the understanding that the assumptions that we've made are consistent with the scriptural verbiage, the begetting of sons and daughters, the enormous lifespans, the long productive period of these married couples, um, the population of earth at the time of the flood was roughly equivalent to the population of earth at the turn of the 19th century, the early 1800s. Um, why did it take so long to grow back to that number of people? Shorter lifespans, fewer children, uh, the decay of, of disease as waves of disease and waves of warfare chop out huge statistical chunks of mankind. Before the flood, it was less of an uphill climb for mankind on the earth. After the flood, things are a bit different. So, a billion people 
perhaps perished in the flood. Don't think the flood wiped out two or three primitive villages. It was a cataclysmic event and we're making our way toward it. But first we were gonna work through these marvelous years between creation and the flood. And now we know we're dealing with not just the people named in the text, but all of their descendants and unnamed relatives across this mass of humanity. Well, I told you there'd be math and there was. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Get a legal pad and a pen and work it out for yourself if you're into such stuff. And as always, we hope that you are liking and sharing this podcast. And we thank you for listening in to Beyond the Notes. Thank you.